I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. This is a weekend update for the week ending July 31, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Oh boy, we have a lot of stuff to discuss on the docket today. The Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate Crew was out in full force. The market was all over the place. And here's what we do know. The important thing is how they close them up at the end of the day. Guess what? They closed them out on the highs. We're going to read into that. We're going to peel back the onion, pick apart the markets. We're going to look around the horn. We're going to discuss things that will A, make you scratch your head, and B, make you think about some more things. We're going to have a few aha moments today. What's the first thing, two or three, that jump off the daily chart when it populates the page? Well, the first thing is, what's the horizontal line? What does it represent? It represents 322. Why is that? 322, and obviously it could be plus or minus whatever, but the general zone around 322 is our pivot. When we get down to some of the intraday charts, you're going to see, and I'm going to reiterate, why. Just why was 322 so important? How do we know it's important? How do we read the market? How do we read the tape? What do we look at to find out what numbers are important? Guess what? We're going to go right inside my head and we're going to do that. What's the second thing that jumps off the daily chart? Well, guess what? It's the trend. You know what comes next. The trend is your friend until it's not. What's the duck? What do I mean by that? If it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's generally speaking going to be the duck. What's the duck as it relates to the market? higher the duck is the gap now we've done this before that line that gap has been on the board before and if the market starts falling away from the gap we take it off but if the market is edging up toward the gap we have no choice but to put it back on so where are we we're about to get into as long as they have a positive day on monday and that's not written in stone we don't know what's going to happen sunday night leading into monday we're just dealing with what's on the chart, how they closed them on Friday, what's in front of us, what can we read. Not what we can't see or what we want to read, it's what can we read. If they have a positive day on Monday and they close above these highs over here, for example, 327.23, we've dealt with that number before. You start closing hourly above there, daily above there, they get into no man's land, And just what does no man's land represent? It represents the spot between the most recent high that they're about to eclipse, assuming they do. We're not in the business of assuming, just for the purposes of conversation. Assuming they clear these highs over at 327.23, they get into no man's land, which is the space in between these highs and when they fill the gap. There are some areas, obviously, of resistance Inside the numbers, members will have those areas Monday, Tuesday, when and if we need them. But for all intents and purposes, the objective would be the gap or higher, but the gap for argument's sake. 
Something else that we need to address because there are some emails coming in which are misstating some things that were discussed in a couple of recent videos. And what is that? What it is is when we began discussing, quote unquote, we're looking for a top toward the end of July. Now, we had a couple of things that we discussed the other day. One was the 90-day cycle deal. There was some misinterpretation of what I said or what was intended about cycles. So I think some traders took it to say, I'm expecting a 100-day cycle coming up or a 100-trading-day cycle coming up. That may or may not be the case, but that's not what was said. I'm not expecting that, but that is always possible. Neither was said the other day. I think what was said was we were using 100 for argument's sake as just a number for the conversation. The other thing is when I say things like we're looking for a top and those of you that have been around a while know this because we've done this before, we've been here before, we've been looking for a top before, we've looked for bottoms, we generally have a beat on either one. We're not going to catch them all, but we catch most of them. So let's talk about this one. What I said was we're looking for a top beginning the end of July. What some traders heard was the top is coming in at the end of July. Now, sometimes we hear what we want to hear, but not necessarily what was said. I can assure you that what was not said was a top is coming in at the end of July. Again, it may. Maybe today was the top, meaning Friday's close. We won't know that till next week. But what was said was we're looking for a top and how we do that, and this goes right back to the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader. How we do that is we look for signs and signal of a trend change to occur. They first occur on short-term charts. They morph into larger charts, a daily chart, a weekly chart, and so on. So we're able to identify a trend change pretty early on, confirmed as time goes on by the longer-term charts. Case in point was actually on Friday, Friday morning. The first candle of the day right here is a reversal candle. It's a gap and crap. What they did was they went up to fill the gap that we were eyeballing from inside the numbers. They didn't do it on Thursday. They did it after hours. If you remember the reporting of the earnings from the big tech giants, come Friday morning, they have a gap and crap. Now, this is an hourly chart. So some of the shorter term charts looked even worse at the time. However, when I talk about confirming by the larger charts, the larger time frames, here's a good example. The hourly chart was a chart reversal. It's a market reversal in the making. But did the daily chart confirm the same reversal that took place between 9.30 and 10.30 a.m.? And the answer is, of course, it did not. So to package that up and put a bow on top, we're looking for signs and signal of a trend change beginning right now. Could have began two days ago, but it's right now because the market finished at the highs, so we don't know what's going to happen going into Monday and beyond, but we're on the lookout. Remember what we said a couple of days ago, the perfect scenario, and they rarely ever give us the perfect scenario, but we start with a plan, and the plan is price and time match up perfectly. Rarely ever happens perfectly, but that's the plan. Where would that take price? To fill the gap. If they fill the gap at some time over the next, let's say, week, several days, two weeks, 
Isn't that in the window that I'm looking for? Let's just say the window was the end of July into the first part and maybe even all of August. Who knows? It's hard to say, but we're looking for a turn. And if the turn comes at the gap and it happens over the next several days, you have to have your antennas go up. This is one of those awareness things that you have to just file away. When it feels really, really wrong, it's generally right. When it feels really, really right, it's generally wrong. Now, you can't pinpoint that to the minute. And certainly when you're looking at a daily chart, you can't necessarily pinpoint that concept to the day. But it's an awareness. How many times have we seen the market on a runaway train? Everybody gets uber bullish. Price targets get raised up to the moon. Everybody wants to hop on the pony. The guy driving the Uber or the shoeshine guy at Grand Central Station all of a sudden is an expert analyst. He's telling me what stocks to buy. That's at the point when you know the top is imminent. Just at the point in which Apple will reach 450 maybe 475 maybe even $500, that's at the point when my mother-in-law will call asking me if she should buy some Apple. That, my friends, is the best short on the board waiting for that phone call. What about the guy in blue? We have to be the umpire calling balls and strikes. What happens if Friday was a fluke and they pull the rug out Sunday night? There's some kind of black swan that swoops in. It's a wake-up red and they start selling the market. How do you know? Below 322. That's it. That's the line in the sand, period, full stop. Back to the hourly chart for a moment. This is a chart that was posted for Inside the Numbers earlier in the day. A picture is worth 100 words. I know it's 1,000. I like to use 100. I just wanted to make the point, so I did one of these. Why is 322 important? And you start doing this, and when you do this, and if you've been around for a while, and you know me enough, you know it's not my number. You know what I say? It's the market's number. It's the market telling you each and every time that it runs up to 322 and gets rejected or runs down to 322 and finds support. It's the market's way of telling us that number is important. Is it 321.91? Is it 322.21? I have no idea. This is the general area. I'm using 322. One more thing. Remember this gap? 318.92. You'll see it inside the numbers from Friday's notes. Remember, this is an hourly chart, so Friday's activity is just all the way to the right. And you'll see here, they were weak. They had a reversal candle. They started to go lower. All they had to do was crack 322. And as far as I was concerned, that was going to be enough to put 318.92, that gap, that elusive gap that is yet to be attended to, it was enough to put it squarely in sight. You'll also see in the notes, it was always about 322. Until and unless they were able to close candles below 322, no dice. So they also leave me no choice but to look at today's activity and say they had every opportunity under the sun to go anywhere they wanted in the southern direction. They had a full stack on the board. The transports were getting killed at the time. The IWM was getting killed at the time. The financials were down. The markets across the board were down. They had a reversal candle the first hour of the day. It was a gap in crap. What more can you ask for? Enter Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate Crew. 
So if anybody's wondering, did I succumb to the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew today as it relates to either the ES or SPY? And the answer is absolutely. I did everything I wasn't supposed to do, and I'm going to tell you exactly what it was so that you don't do it. I tell you all the time everything that I did today not to do. What exactly was that? Well, I was focused on 322. Everything I just talked about in terms of the reversal candle, the whole nine yards, the gap and crap, I'm reading the tape and I'm saying the writing's on the wall. They're going to do it today. It's Friday. They'll start talking about who wants to hold into the weekend. You bring all the guns out. And my thought process was, and I didn't put this in the notes or anything, I'm just telling you what was inside my head. My thought process was, they're going to kill him into the close today. Here's your 15-minute chart. This candle here closes at 322.02. All right, so it's a cat and mouse game. I'm looking at the hourly chart, and I'm thinking to myself, market symmetry. I'm looking at the gap and crap. I'm seeing this thing run sideways, eat some time off the clock for a while. And then the next candle closes below. But here's what I've got. I've got in my face selling in the hole. And here's what I did. I took everything that we discussed, all the reasons why the market was going to go lower. And it all made sense, except for one thing. I sold them in the hole. What does that mean? Look where the market was earlier. It was all the way up here at 326 and change. Now I'm going to sell it at the lows. I have yelled at people for doing that. Why am I even telling you that I did it in the first place? So I don't do it again. It's like a form of torture having to tell you about it. Okay, so I sold them in the hole. I'm going to get a pie in the face. You already know I got a pie in the face. But where was I wrong? Isn't that what we want to know? Where am I wrong? How can I minimize the loss? If I have to lose it all, I want it to be small and fast. Enter inside the numbers. 104 is an example. Back above 323 on an hourly close would be considered a fumble for the bears. Where's 323? Check this candle out right here. 1445 in the afternoon. Closing price. 323.29. See you later. Now you might say, hey, you didn't wait for the hourly close. You're darn right. I'm not waiting another 45 minutes for three more 15-minute candles to close When I can see the writing on the wall. What do we have here? Here's a breakdown candle. Did they close above that high? Yeah. It's Friday afternoon. I just sold them in the hole, getting a pie in the face. I'm cutting and running. I'm not waiting for the hourly close. Trader's choice. Could I have been whipsawed and had the market gone back down, I would have kicked myself. You're right. However, at that point in the day, in the week, I'm done. Not taking any more. I'm out. I made a mistake and I want to rectify the mistake. And guess what? You learn this at some point if you haven't learned it already. In the business of trading, your first loss is your best loss. Doesn't always work out like that, but when it does, you're thankful. What happened in the afternoon was, and this is unique, it doesn't happen all the time. The character of the market changed as it did this. Okay, as it got above certain prices that it wouldn't normally be able to get above in a normal garden variety market using the 80-20 rule. Well, this didn't apply. This was the 20%. So in the end, what they really did was they recaptured the gap that they filled 
Remember, in the after hours on Thursday, market opens, they have a gap in crap, they filled that gap around 325 and change. There it is. I got a lot of questions on this this morning, Friday morning. Where's that gap again? It's right here. Hourly chart is probably one of the easiest places to see it, but you can see it on a multitude of charts. So here's the way I look at this little journey inside my head again. They work to go fill the gap. That took work. They fill the gap, they crap out, but then they come back to close above the gap. Now, had all that not taken place, but if they just closed above the gap, you know what I would say. That's bullish. Closing above the gap first, even hourly, if it's a daily gap or in 10 or 15 minute candles on a hourly chart gap, those are bullish signs. So for me, recapturing the gap at the end of the day, that was a big deal. You'll see that inside the numbers as well. Let's check out what was discussed inside the numbers. Pre-market, we're focused on where the market's going to open to be more bullish versus less bullish. We talk about the gap. I have a picture. It's like a where's Waldo? Where's the gap? Got just a string of emails early in the day and I figured let's just put this up on the board. And then just like magic, the emails stopped coming in asking where the gap was. Funny how that works. Why would your chart be incorrect? I say here, if your chart doesn't look like this, it's not right or it's incorrect. Why would your chart be incorrect? Well, off the top of my head, I could think of two specific reasons. One is your hourly closes are on the top of the hour, not the bottom of the hour. Why do I use the bottom of the hour? Because the market opens at 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. The first hour closes at 10.30. Every hour after that is another hourly close. Nothing more, nothing less. Are the closes on the top of the hour important? Yeah, on a 30-minute chart. And some might be extremely important, and you can always point to something that was important one day, but not another. Doesn't make it important or not important. What I found works is the hourly closes on the actual hours the market operates. The other reason why your chart might look different is it includes after-hours, pre-market type of trading activity. Don't include that. It really doesn't count. It's fun to talk about sometimes, but at the end of the day, for the real analysis, don't even look at it. Moving right along. So here you'll notice something bright and early, right? This is like pre-market stuff. Already, we got an eyeball on the IWM. So stuff was weak Just filing it away at that point in time, but that was like 9 o'clock in the morning. We've got some numbers posted, obviously. These are the early thoughts. We're setting the table. You don't know exactly what's going to happen after the open, but you've got to come pre-prepared. You've got to show up in uniform, ready to go. Bright and early, they start the shakeout operation, so we're just observing at that point. 324.24 is a southern gap. Now, just a point of interest... Even if it's for a short period of time, support should provide support, even if it's going to give it up, at minimum of for a short-term bounce. 324.24 was a number I had. You'll see that there's a gap lower than that. So you might say, well, how come your number was at 324.24? And the gap on this chart happens to be 323.98. How come your number's different and the market went to your number and bounced off your number and didn't fill the other gap until later? One might ask that. There are different numbers based on different charts and typically the market will handle them one at a time. Not always, but we've got the 80-20 rule in our corner. 
Now, it wasn't a great bounce. It was about five S&P points. Good enough for a scalp. Let's talk about that for a second. How would you scalp trade an area like this? Let's just say for argument's sake, we're using the E-mini contract or the micro contracts. It doesn't matter. But you have to be able to have more than one. It's the same concept we use for stocks on the move. So if I'm buying 1,000 shares, I'm selling 500 or 350 or some number like that when I'm up an amount, a predetermined amount. For our purposes for stocks on the move, we use about 1%. The rest of it, we hold for the rocket ride. You never know when you're going to get it. But we don't let the rest of it ever go negative. So what we do in that case is, as long as we get the bounce, we get a risk-free, emotionless trade on our hands most of the time. Of course, there's some wacky stuff that happens, but the majority of the time, that's the way it is. So in this case, let's just do simple math. So I've got two ES contracts. I'm going to buy two around that number, whatever the corresponding ES number is to that. I'm buying two contracts, and maybe I don't buy both at the same price. Maybe I spread it out a little bit. Either way, I'm buying two contracts, and what I'm doing is I'm taking one off up, let's say, three points, two and a half points, four points. Every day is different. It's trader's choice, but it's somewhere in that neighborhood. I've found that off an important area, you're generally going to get a 30 cent SPY bounce, three S&P handle bounce. That's the way it is. A lot of times you get a whole lot more. Not a lot of times do you get a whole lot less unless that number is failing, unless I was wrong in the number. You can do it in thirds. You take one off and you have two left over and you take profit along the way. Inside the numbers members are accustomed to me saying that we take profit along the way. A pro trader will never have their full position at final target. It's just not part of the business. It's not how it works. Let's get through the commentary so that you can read the notes. You can pause the video anytime you want. Read the notes. Go back to the charts. See what was going on. We know it was about 322 today. Here you go, 1019. Remember the IWM from the pre-market. Now remember, this was when the market was reversing. I emphasize ing. It was happening. So I'm comfortable with the fact that the IWM certainly was one of the things, probably among a lot of things, that was a tip-off. Forget the stuff from Joe's Indicator Shop. 322 is really what they're after, and that was at the time, obviously, before they got there. And here it is. The Bulls must play defense around 322 if they stand a chance. 10.19 a.m. Just to put it in perspective, that time is around here. That's where that time is. We were up at 323. 322 is the line in the sand. In uniform, ready to go. Even though I sold them in the hole, I still had my uniform on. I will be paying a visit to the kangaroo court. For those of you that don't know what a kangaroo court is... It's when you do something stupid, you have to come before your teammates and take what they give you. Moving right along. Go ahead and pause the video, read the notes, think about what happened, go see what happened, the whole nine yards. Do the whole shebang if you're at all interested in seeing what's going on throughout the market during the day, active trading in the market during the day. This is an absolute way to get a handle on the tape. There's that chart I mentioned before. 322 is the pivot. It's like a broken record by now, but guess what? It is the pivot. Stock's on the move. 
Let's take a look at what happened. Look how many hit their entries today. We had seven up on the board, six hit their entries. They didn't all do it the way we want it. However, we're going to take a look at them anyway. The good, the bad, and the fugly. By the way, remember the weekly chart? Remember the weekly chart tail candle? We didn't get above there, but look where they are. They keep you guessing. It's not bearish. But I'll give you some food for thought. This was the first close above the huge, big-time breakdown candle. What's the high? 325.85. Closing price today, 326.52, and that included an end-of-the-day jam session to get there. No accidents, no coincidences. Last couple of minutes of the week, they run the market up to close right above the breakdown candle high. I can't see it another way. Back to stocks on the move. The first one on the board was Chevron, CVX. You see what's going on here? I'm going to run through these rather quick. I realize this video is getting long in the tooth. It's obviously nothing more than a base hit. You can see what their target really was, was the second number, 8164, a couple of pennies below that. That's where the reversal came, and they ran them up into the end of the day. If you paint by numbers, it's a base hit. Next one on the board, Xilinx. Now, this isn't really what we like to see. Yours truly didn't take this trade. Why didn't I take this trade? Because the market came pretty close and had a pretty big bounce or rally away from that number. 104.98 was on the board bright and early. That was the trade that we would have been looking for. So the low here you could see is 105 and a quarter. On a hundred and change dollar stock, is 27 cents too close? Well, let's do it like this. If it was a $50 stock, would 13 or 14 cents be too close? And the answer is probably. And here's the way you need to do it. A, it's an awareness, right? We're not saying the number's not going to work. We're just saying the trade isn't the same. The probabilities aren't the same since they just had the type of rally away from that number we're looking for. So we're not sure as we were early in the morning when they came down here. I want that trade. I wanted that to come down another 27 cents. Here... I'm not so interested because I don't know whether they're failing and they're going to another destination. That could have been, and that's the reason why we don't want it the second time around. But here's the way you can look at this thing. If you have to think long and hard, like, is it too close? I'm not sure whether it was enough. Is it too close? Is 7 cents enough? Is 13 cents enough? Is 20 cents enough? Depends on the price of the stock, right? On a $1,000 stock, a dollar is too close. If you have to think about it too long and you have to ponder it and you're wondering, then the answer is it was too close. Move on. The trade should be obvious, meaning stuff like this. It's obvious they already did the thing that we wanted them to do. I'm not going to take it down here. But what's the takeaway? It worked anyway. The numbers work. Not every time. You'll see that later. But the majority of the time, they work. Team, 172.86. You see what's going on. Don't focus all the way to the right at the end of the day. Focus right here. This is what you wanted. 1045 candle. The high was 176.69. Even if you're looking at a 10-minute chart, a 5-minute chart, a 15-minute chart, it doesn't matter. Just for point of interest. When you see something like this and you see one of these long candles, the market's going down or a stock is going down, it finally finds support, turns around, goes back in the other direction, starts going higher, is it going to get through the high of the first candle of the day just like that? Is it just going to waltz through 
the high of the first candle of the day? And the answer is, the majority of time, no, it won't. Sometimes it will, but the majority of times, it won't. It'll get rejected first. They'll have a pullback first. Maybe they eat some time off the clock, work on it later, but the majority of the time, that's going to be a pretty good exit before the high of that first candle. Just saying. What about Zendesk? This was one of those, it kind of did the deal, but not for anybody that was able to trade it. You couldn't really trade this unless you got lucky. How did some traders trade this? They didn't buy the first number, they bought the second number, and they got their fill on the rocket ride back to the first number. But if you're buying half at the first, half at the second, you were unlikely to get out in time when it spiked back up to 95.66 or whatever that was. I think the high at the time was 95.63. 95.63. Think I was watching? Think I was interested? Yeah. So this one we're going to have to classify as a shitburger. Didn't work. They had another destination. I was wrong. Expedia, second to last one on the board. You see what happened here. 7808, 7720. Split the difference. Takes off to the upside. How you doing? It's not this stuff down here because nobody's sticking around for the retest of the second number. It's this. That's where you are out. There's nobody that needs to stick around for this because you're already in a profit. You wouldn't let it go negative. So the high here was 79.55. Average was 77.65. Maximum was really two bucks. But if you just want to take a holistic view of this and say, hey, how do the numbers work? Just look at it from an hourly chart perspective and you say, all right, once the market found or Expedia found some stability, took off to the upside, period, end of story. How about the shack? Didn't work. I had this one wrong too. It happens. It's a function of the business. We don't like it. It stinks. Where was the out here? 10.30 is the hourly close. The close happened to be 49.90. The hourly close stop was $50.03. That was it, out. I stayed in a touch longer, but net-net, that's where traders should have been out. What about Camp IWM? What's going on here? So they dipped down into the moving averages, popped back up, didn't finish at the highs of the day, didn't even have an up day. Puzzle piece on the table, no question about it. And again, as a leading market indicator or my favorite market leading indicator, as I like to say it, it's not gonna be same day all the time, one day removed all the time. This is one of those things where we file it away. It's a puzzle piece that's on the table. Sometimes it's going to lead you to an intraday trade. Other times it's going to diverge for a week or so. We don't know. That's why we talk about it every single day. In the end, net net, they're doing the same thing they were doing all week or for the last couple of weeks. They're eating time off the clock above the moving averages. Now, we can also say they ran a quick test and came right back above the moving averages, that in and of itself is bullish, despite the fact that they closed down almost 1% on the day. As long as they're in this position above the moving averages, you can forget about where they were on Friday. You can say, above the moving averages, eating time off the clock, they're building energy to run a test of 153, 154, or even possibly higher. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Same routine, above the moving averages, ate some time off the clock, this was a canary in the coal mine the other day. Remember, we talked about it. Look at this intraday turnaround. That's where the character of the market changed. 3.30 in the afternoon, this thing just went on a tear. The trend is up. The trend is your friend until it disappears. It's bullish.
How about the folks out in Silicon Valley? Check this out. Run a quick test on the crap out, right? Remember, the market was gapping up. It failed. Ran a test of the 20-period moving average. Ran right back up to close near the highs. And, of course, above this last breakdown candle high. 265.24 to 65.79 on close. Should we take that as bullish? And the answer is yes. This won't come as a surprise. Here we have a move down and we have a bearish wedgish pattern working. And what we always say, because this is always the case, until it fails, right? It's the pattern. The pattern plays out to the downside in the southern direction. Unless, unless it fails. And when it fails, if it's going to fail, it releases the same energy that would have been released on the downside in the other direction, in the northern direction in this case. So under normal garden variety market conditions, was today's move the entirety of the move in the other direction or the northern direction? And the answer is, no, it's not. The financials, this is interesting. The financials were down most of the day. They finished flat, up a penny is a rounding error. But they finished above those two or the converging moving averages, the 50 and the 20. So what we can say is no change. But what we also have to say and we have to realize is Without participation from the financials, whether it's up or down, the market's not going to get very far in either direction. So, for example, let's say everything's up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it is, and the financials are up. That's fine. But let's say the market's up Monday, maybe Tuesday, and the financials are flat again. We're going to take notice. That's the way the market kind of is hinting to you. We'll see what the transports are doing, the IWM. Obviously, look around the horn, but we always look at the financials. They have to participate. If all of a sudden they start to participate, they get bullish. All of a sudden, the bank stocks and the rest of the financial sector starts climbing higher. You can count your bottom dollar. They're going to fill the gap in the SPY. Smash mouth, uptrend, no change. We don't have to spend any time whatsoever. There's absolutely no change. Hey, have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. True and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My strategic forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is Common Sense Market Analysis.